you are the mark. If you've ever had disappointments, and you have, and there are more coming, what do we do with them? And uh, though we know in our head they come, sometimes they feel like a sucker punch, don't they? And we kind of get left a little bit reeling a little bit, trying to figure it out. And even if you've been a believer for a while, there's times that in your heart you may not ever verbalize it, but you question, God, what are you doing? And what do I do with this? I'm glad the Word of God has those answers for us tonight. You've got a handout. If you don't wait, make sure you wave someone and usher down and get one. Fill it in and save this somewhere. You may not need it today, but when you have one of those moments, you're going to pull it out and you go, okay, God, you put this with the important papers. You know, in your house, you got the important papers. Put this in the important papers. Lord, I got a disappointment. What do I do with it? Brother Shadow, come on. Pastor. Well, Pastor leaned over. He said, I didn't know for sure, but this may be the largest Sunday night's crowd that our churches ever have. So this better be good. I hope you're not disappointed tonight. But if you are disappointed with tonight, I'm going to tell you how to handle it, okay? So take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Like, yeah, we all got packed in there like sardines, and that really wasn't that great. Well, I'm going to show you how to handle that, okay? Overcoming disappointment and depression. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Now, everyone has the right to have their own opinion. I personally believe that this is a key moment in David's life, maybe the most important moment of his life. I believe that his whole life changes after this, and I do think historically, if you look at from 1 Samuel chapter 30, you look at the rest of his life, uh, outside of Absalom dying, uh, being killed, um, I don't think there's a point where he's lower than right here, and then everything begins to change as him being the second king of Israel really starts becoming established after this. But it is amazing where we are in 1 Samuel chapter 30. I am going to give you the background to it a little bit, uh, but before we do that and before we read our scripture, let me just go over a few introductory things that are in your, your handout tonight. And I appreciate everything Pastor said. Uh, I'll tell you what, I like your pastor. I have not been disappointed with your pastor at all, let me tell you. Uh, I have sure appreciated him, but I appreciated what he said. Take this and put this away. Now, uh, people ask me, are you like an evangelist now? And, and I don't really think that that's probably what I am. I believe that there's two words that describe what I want to do the rest of my life, and that is encourage and equip the, the saints to do the work of the ministry. And um, so encouraging and equipping. Now, let me tell you about equipping. You're equipped to do something. So tonight, actually, some of you go like, you know, just to be perfectly honest, I'm not trying to be proudful or anything, but I have never really struggled that much with discouragement and definitely not depression. So I don't know if I needed this. My, you know, my family, we're coming here tonight, so we're here, and this is where we come to church. But I don't know if I need the message. Stop. Let me tell you this right now. You do not only come to church for what you can get. You come to church for what you're able to give. And it is very important to understand that you're not listening. Now, we're, we're packed in here. But let me tell you, whatever number we have, over 300, that isn't who I believe I'm preaching to tonight. I believe I'm preaching to hundreds and many thousands. Yeah, well, Brother Shiller, it may feel like that, but there's not that many in here. No, no, no. Because I believe that you ought to take what you hear and help some people. You have relatives, you have co-workers, you have neighbors that are extremely 
disappointed into the point that they are now in discouraged, depressed, and even in despair. And you can help them by what you give. So whoever you are here tonight, it's not only to encourage you, it is to everyone together. What's that word? Oh, that was really bad. It is not only to encourage, but to equip you, to give you what you need to help others and to help yourself as well. And I think we will do that tonight. Let's look at a few things in the introduction. Disappointments are part of life. And they are not, everyone together, what's the next word? Yeah, 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 yeah. A disappointment, I'm going to tell you what it is in a minute, what a disappointment is. But a disappointment is not sinful. You cannot live in a cursed world and not be disappointed. However, the way we handle our unfulfilled expectations, and that's what a disappointment is. A disappointment is an unfulfilled expectation. You were expecting something to be different than the way it turned out. And you are disappointed. There is nothing sinful about that. There is a verse, though, I would have to say. Psalm 62, verse 5, it says that your expectations should come from the Lord. If you're, if you're giving your dreams and desires over to the Lord, you probably aren't going to be as disappointed. But I still think you cannot go through life and not be disappointed. I think, yeah, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. The way we handle our unfulfilled expectations can be harmful and it can be sinful. Second thing, the constant state of not being able to move on from an unfulfilled expectation or disappointment will cause one to doubt, be discouraged, live in depression, and even in daily despair to one's soul. All right, so let me tell you something. If you do not learn how to handle your disappointments and you do not take them scripturally and know what to do with them, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to start doubting God. You're going to start getting discouraged. You're going to start being in depression, and you'll go to despair. And I'll tell you, there's only one other step after that, and that's death, and that's suicide. So you have to learn how to handle unfulfilled expectations in your life. All right. The answer is not a pill. The answer to a disappointment is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Our everlasting life is not a thing. Everlasting life is a person, and that person is Christ. Abundant life is not a thing you get. It is a person. We do not believe as believers that pills are our answer. Now, I'm going to mention tonight, I'm not saying that a person cannot take medication, but I am going to tell you that is not going to be the ultimate answer to a person. They've got to find their identity, and they have to understand the person of Jesus Christ. Now listen to this next statement. Clinical depression is extremely rare. Now the world wouldn't say that at all, but I'm telling you, clinical depression, which is a biological problem, there is not something that a person can do about it. Clinical depression is extremely rare and usually occurs only when there has been trauma to the brain. Most all depression will not be cured or even maintained by medication, but rather by finding practical answers 
from God's word. All right, Brother Schaller, you do understand that people that struggle with depression, they have proved this, Brother Shetler, that there's a chemical imbalance in their brain, and that's what's causing the depression. All right, stop. Have you ever heard the statement, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Okay, now listen to this, because this is huge. There is not any question with this preacher tonight that believes that people that are in depression have a chemical imbalance. My statement would be this. What came first, a physical chemical imbalance or a spiritual problem that wasn't handled right? And because you did not handle that spiritual problem and you did not move on and you could not carry on, it began to cause physical problems now. Now you're all messed up physically. Hey, listen, I've seen that with stress. Sooner or later, anxiety will affect you physically. I've seen that with anger and bitterness. You let a person rot in bitterness, and I guarantee you, they will rot physically. So I don't disagree that there's a chemical imbalance with a person that's depressed. I don't question that at all. My point is this. What caused the chemical imbalance? Well, they couldn't do anything about it. I disagree with that. I believe in almost all cases, it's a spiritual problem that if they learned as simple as tonight's going to be, if they learned how to handle their disappointments, that chemical imbalance would have never occurred in their brain. Well, Brother Shelley, you do understand. If you give someone Prozac or Zoloft or whatever, they will actually not have that depression. Oh, no. Absolutely, you can give somebody medication to make them feel different. There's no question about that. We're not denying those things. I'm saying that's not the answer to a believer's problem. A believer needs to be able to take Scripture and be able to say, these are the steps I need to take. This is how I, if you can't move on from a disappointment, you begin to doubt God. God, I, I, I thought you loved me. I thought you were powerful. I thought you were wise. How could this happen? You begin to doubt. You stay in that, and you can't move on from that, from, from that unfulfilled expectation. You start getting discouraged, and you start losing this very important element. You start losing hope. And when you start losing hope, you begin to get discouraged. And then you go into depression, which is a lack of hope, and despair is no hope. Now, this is what I've been told. I've been told that people can live without food for up to 40 days and even some cases even longer without food. I've been told that a person can live without water for three to four days without water and still be alive. I've been told that people can live and have up to almost three minutes without air and still survive. But I want to tell you this. A human being cannot live five seconds without hope. You've got to have hope. If you lose hope, you have lost everything. And tonight, we're going to show you how David was able to get hope and how and what he did because what he did, he does a three steps that I am telling you will change anybody's life. Okay, last thing here. Many Bible characters struggled at times with unfulfilled expectations that made them slip into depression. Moses, he told God many times, kill me, God, kill me. He, he just he, Handling the two and a half million Jews was way beyond him. Elijah, 
Um, he just brings down fire and rain. And then within a couple days, he's under a juniper tree wanting to die. And that it wasn't what he expected when he found out about Jezebel, wanted to kill him. I think Naomi comes back to Bethlehem depressed. I think Peter struggled with it. And the guy we're going to look at tonight, even David. David struggled with disappointment and I even think to the point of, of depression. And we're going to see, though, David finds the cure. And that cure is what I want you to see. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'm going to read verse 6, 7, 8, and the first three words of verse 9. And then we're going to have a word of prayer. And then we are going to show you God's deliverance from disappointment that will help you and you will be able to help others the rest of your life. Hey, we did it this morning. I'm telling you what, tonight, I think we just need to stand up for a minute. So everybody stand up. We're going to read verse 6, 7, 8, and 9. And then we'll have a word of prayer. We'll come to one spot. I want you to say it out loud in verse number 6. I think it's the key. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. And David was greatly distressed. I will explain that in just a minute. That is an understatement, though, I'll tell you. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Wait till you find out what word that is. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David, everyone together, would you finish the verse with me? But David... All right, man, that's good stuff. And David said to Abathar the priest, Elimelech's son, hey, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David anointed, or excuse me, and David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, that would be God, answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Everyone together, the first three words of verse number nine. Everyone together. So David went. Father, I pray that you will help all of us learn tonight how to handle unfulfilled expectations in our life, disappointments in our life. And Father, may we be not only students of the word, not only hearers of the word, but give us a Shema heart tonight to be doers of your word as well. And Father, when we leave here tonight, we'll never be able to have the excuse, well, I don't know how to handle this in my life, because they will be given it tonight. I pray it'll help them. And God, may they think about other people tonight as this goes on, how they could help other people as well. And I pray these things now. Thank you for this dear flock and their faithfulness to be here tonight. I pray that they won't be disappointed. I pray that the, 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 the training that they received tonight will help them and others the rest of their lives. We pray this in the name of the one who gives us victory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And God's people said, you may be seated. I was speaking at a camp some years ago, and the week before I went to the camp, I went in to see my doctor. And it was a woman, Dr. Singla, and she said to me, she said, Jim, your blood pressure is a little high, but I don't really want to put you on medication. So I'm going to ask you if it's possible for this coming week, if you come into the doctor's office twice a day and we'll check your blood pressure. And I said, I said, Dr. Singla, I'm speaking at a camp next week, and I'm not going to be, you know, in, in Lancaster. And um, she said, 
But I said to her, I said, but you know what? They have a clinic at the camp, and there's a full-time nurse there. I am sure, I even know her. I am sure she'll be glad to take my blood pressure twice a day. No problem. She said, we'll keep a record of it. want to check your blood pressure. I said, okay. So I got to the camp on Sunday night, and I told uh, the, the lady, and she said, oh, she said, Brother Shetler, I'll, I'll be glad to do that. So every day I went in the morning and the afternoon and got my blood pressure checked. Uh, one afternoon, I think it was around Wednesday afternoon, um, I came in, and she was really busy. She had a lot of things going on, so uh, she said, it'll be just a minute, Brother Shuttler. So I sat up on the counter, and I just sat there and waited, and she's putting stuff away. As long as I live past her, I won't forget this. She's putting stuff away, and she opens a cabinet. And when she opens the cabinet, I'm going to say the word full, because I think it, that's the right word. It was full of pill bottles. And I said, what's that? She said, oh, those, those are the camper's medications. And I said, well, a lot of allergies. She laughed. She said, Brother Shetler, those aren't, most of those are not for allergies or anything like that. I said, what are those? She said, Brother Shetler, those are antidepressants. And I said, well, he's like, I'm at an independent Baptist camp. There's over 400 teenagers there. There's got to be 75 pill bottles up there. Now, maybe not every one of them, but 30, 40 of those are antidepressants. I said, what are you saying? She said, the kids have to take these antidepressants. We're at a, we're at a Bible camp. What in the world's going on? And if that's the, the Christian world, what's going on out there? I'm telling you right now, teenagers are popping pills like crazy. And they're given them by their parents. And their parents is the only thing that controls them. And they're taking all of these antidepressants. I'm going to tell you, that is not the answer to our problems. Our problems are spiritual way more than they are physical. I'm not saying that there's no clinical depression. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm going to tell you, we are in a mess, and how do we handle it? Well, I think David shows us how to do it in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now, you're in 1 Samuel chapter 30, but I have to very quickly have you turn back to chapter 27, would you? Turn back to chapter 27. In just a moment, we'll read one verse out of that chapter. Let me quickly, as quickly as I can, go through David's life, because that's our first point, uh, God deliverance from disappointment. Number one, David's background of his depression. Now, when we come and we read chapter 30 and we read verse 6, when he is greatly distressed, the guy is depressed. But how in the world did he get there? So let me give you David's background to depression. Up to 1 Samuel 30, David's life is a series of him living right. Living, everyone together, what's the blank? Living, yeah. I mean, go back even before Go back even before the David and Goliath thing. I think the coolest thing about David's life is that lion and that bear. I mean, that's just amazing, folks. You ever stop and think about that for just a minute? Okay, if I'm taking care of my dad's sheep, whose sheep are they? Dad's sheep, okay? If I'm taking care of dad's sheep and a lion comes and a lion grabs one of the little wee lambs, I go home that night and say, hey, Dad, we lost one of your sheep today. That's what I'm saying. If a bear comes into whose sheep? Dad's sheep. And a bear takes off with one of the sheep. I'm coming, Dad, we lost another one today, man. 
Man, I, I, you know, I'm doing my best, Dad, but I'm telling you, it was a lion and there was a bear. Guys, there is no way. I'm going after one of my father's sheep that a lion's got. That's not going to happen, and nor especially a bear. But this guy's amazing. By the way, tell me who wasn't watching that. God said, this is the one that's going to take care of my flock, Israel. Man, I'm telling you what, those are just amazing. This guy's amazing. He plays music for Saul. He's, he's got it all together. I love the story of David and Goliath. My son has a title for that chapter. I just love it, First Samuel 17. You can't carry the head until you've carried the cheese. I love that. I love that title, man. Drew said, hey, Dad, I got this new message on David. You can't carry the head. You can't cut off Goliath's head if you haven't carried the cheese to your brethren. You know what? That is great truth, man. I mean, David's got this thing. Everything David does is good. But everything that happens to him is bad. This is not what David expected in life. There are two times that David could kill Saul, and he doesn't. He spares Saul both times. Even, his, even the guys that are with him said, hey, you're writing all these songs about your enemies. There's your enemy. He's in the cave. You got him. I can't touch him. He's the Lord's anointed. I mean, this guy is amazing, but now I'm going to tell you something. Disappointment after disappointment, David begins not to handle those things right. Look at chapter 27 and verse 1, and you tell me where this guy is on this, on this train. And David said in his heart, no, that's a dangerous thing. Wait till you see the very end of this message. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day. He's lost trust. He's lost faith. No, David, you've been anointed king. Yeah, well, that ain't never going to happen. That was a long time ago with Samuel, and that's not. Now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the everyone together. You know what? It's just not worth it living for God. I'm just going to the world. Philistines, picture of the world. I'm just going to the world. This is ridiculous. And he does. Guys, he goes to this king, Achish. Achish is one of the ten kings of the Philistines, and he lives in the southern part of Israel. He's out in the Negev Peninsula of Israel. It's a barren area. And, and he goes to Achish and says, Achish, I want to join you. Join us. You're David. You killed our guy, Goliath. You, you, no way. You're an Israelite. Not anymore. He has taken his disappointment over and over unfulfilled expectation. He has begun to doubt God. He began to lose hope and begin to get discouraged. I'm telling you, he's living in depression now. He has lost his hope. He, he cannot move on from all of the unfulfilled expectations, and he's a gunner. He's with the Philistines. He's in the world now. Hey, you know any Christians that have, I think that they're saved, but they've totally left the faith? They've just walked away because of the, they did not understand a disappointment in their marriage, in their family, in their, in their business or whatever, and they had an unfulfilled expectation, and they couldn't move on from it. And now they're living out in the world. They're not in this group of 320 tonight. They're gone. 
And they are so disillusioned and they're so discouraged because of an odd, something happened. God did it. Somebody else did it. Or they're disappointed. By the way, I don't know about you. Nobody has ever disappointed me more than me. I've disappointed me. And, and maybe they feel like a total failure. They say, I'll never be able to live for God. I can't do it. I have just failed over and over again. I'm done with Christianity. And that's what David does. Now, we come to 1 Samuel 30, actually, uh, chapter 29, and Achish comes to David one day, and he says, hey, David, uh, my men and I are going to the northern part of Israel. We're going up um, to Hazor and that area up there, and we're going to fight your people. They're not my people. Well, whatever. We're going up and we're going to fight them. And uh, David says, me and my men will go with you. And Achish says, no, no, no. You're going to be fighting against your own people. They're not mine. I'm done with that. Well, David, no, no, we're going with you. David, we're fighting the Israelites. I know who you're fighting. Me and my men will go with you and we'll fight with you. Okay, so they go. Now listen, this is very important because this is a big part of depression. Physical fatigue will aid in not handling non-fulfilled expectations right. If you're physically tired, you got a terrible diet, you're not eating right, you're not sleeping right, you're wearing yourself out, it's going to affect you spiritually. And so they march three days north to the northern part. It's about 85 miles. They get up there, and when they get up there, all the, all the Philistines are there and all the other kings. And the kings get over, Achish, come here. Yeah, it's going to be a great day tomorrow. Yeah, who's that? Oh, you guys know who that is. That's the guy who killed Goliath. That's David. What is he doing here? Oh, he's on our side now. Yeah, no. No, he's not on our side. No, 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 he is. Let me tell you something. This guy, no, no, no. You tell him to get out of here. Well, we marched 85 miles. You tell him. I ain't going to tell him. He's been disappointed over and over again. You tell him. Achish, tell him to get out of here. He goes back. David, yes, sir, we're ready to fight tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. You guys need to go back. What are you talking about? You need to go back. The other Philistine kings will not fight with you. I I know, I know, David. It's not happening. This is not what we expected. We drew, we walked all the way up here. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it's not happening. Guys, they go another three days back down. So that's six days of hiking. They are totally exhausted. And as they're coming back, Pastor, this is amazing. They're coming back. And as they get to Ziklag, they see smoke in the horizon. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hey, David, yeah, I see it. I think that's, I know it's sick leg. Oh, God, what's happened now? God, nothing has happened right. God, you know what they're hoping? They're hoping when they get back to sick leg that they'll find their women and children burned to death. No, no, brother, you didn't say that right. No, they're hoping when they get back, they'll see their women and children burned to death. You know why? Because they know the Malachites came in. And if they're not burned to death, worse than that, the Malachites took our women and children. And what they're going to do is worse than being burned to death. So when they come back, they're hoping to see them burned to death. They come back, they're gone. 
I mean, this is it. This is one unfulfilled expectation, one disappointment after another. Look at verse 1. And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Malachites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. These are grown men until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. Okay, we see the background of depression. Up until 1 Samuel 30, David's life is a series of him living right and bad coming. By chapter 30 of 1 Samuel, David now lives with the Philistines and is prepared to fight with them against his own people. David's hope is gone that he will ever be king. That, That expectation is now dashed and gone. He believes one day Saul will kill him. After a week of marching with his men to the north and then back to the south to his town of Ziklag, David is disappointed, I think depressed, discouraged, defeated, and disillusioned with life and with God. Number two, David's bitterness in depression. We saw David's background of depression. I want you to see David's bitterness in depression. Now, you have to look at this. You all, most of you will know this. And David, look at verse number six. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was, everyone together in your Bible, what's the next word? Was what? Okay, that was terrible. Everyone together, was what? Grieved. Hebrew word for grieved. I say it, you tell me what it means. Most of you know this word. You look it up, the word grieved, mara, mara, otherwise known as, that's bitter. That is the Hebrew word for bitter, mara. The word grieved there is the Hebrew word mara, they were bitter. Now, what in the world is bitterness? Bitterness is the unresolved violation of your justice system. You have been so discouraged. You have had an unfulfilled expectation that you believe you've been done wrong. Bitterness is the unresolved violation of your justice system. Something has happened in your life from God or man that you know to be wrong, and you can't change it or move on from it. You just can't resolve it, and you are stuck in that unresolved violation of your justice system, otherwise known as bitterness. Life hasn't been fair, and you won't move on. They were grieved. David has had it. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, says that all the people was grieved. Grieved is the Hebrew word mara or bitter. Everyone thought what was happening to them was wrong and not what they expected should have happened. So here we go. We got to get done here. Number three, David's battle plan over depression. Now, this is great. And gang, I tell you, for the rest of your life, I pray that there's three simple steps to get out 
of discouragement, depression, and how to handle your disappointments. Look at this. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Now here it is. Number one, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Number one, he put his focus back on who God is. He put his focus back on who God is. David encouraged. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He centered his thoughts on the attributes he knew were true about God. So I got to tell you a funny story real quick because I'm losing some of you. Okay, so here goes. When my boys were growing up, I always felt that my boys needed to buy Christmas gifts for mom. So I would take them out. There was just one problem about Christmas gifts. I don't wrap Christmas gifts. I just do not wrap Christmas gifts. I just cannot wrap them. So we always went to a department store that had free Christmas wrapping, okay? And back when the boys were little, matter of fact, Drew was, Drew was born. He was just a babe. It was only Ben and Luke on the story. And Ben and, and Luke and I went to a place called Gafer's, and it was an, uh, a department store. It's kind of like Dillard's or whatever. And uh, so we went there. We shopped there because their customer service, they would do the Christmas wrapping. Well, I learned something after a few years. The very first thing you do when you go to the store during the Christmas time is you go to customer service and you get your number. You get your number right away. Okay, so, you know, I, I go up. I say, come on, boys. We go up the escalator. We go to customer service. We, we walk in. The place is packed. And, and I pull my number. And I don't know what number. It's like 14, okay? It's like 14. And I, and, um, or they're on, oh, no, no, no. They, they're on number 14. I pull the thing and it's like 86, Okay, I got number 86, and they're on number 14. I said, boys, we got two hours. Let's go, you know? So sure enough, we're out there shopping. I am keep watching my watch, and I'm going like, okay, they're probably in the 30s now, whatever. You know, we got it and everything. So we get the gifts, and, and I go, guys, I think we need to get going back. I think now's the time we need to get going back. And I reached down, and I grabbed Luke's hand, and I reached down, and I grabbed Ben's hand. When I grabbed Ben's hand, Ben pulled his hand away. Dad, I'm not holding your hand in the store. I said, yes, you are. There's too many people here. And I reached out and grabbed his hand, and he pulls it away again. Dad, I am 10 years old, and I am not holding your hand. I said, Ben, you're holding your hand. We're not going to lose you right now. Dad, I'm not holding your hand. Dad, I, I can do this. I said, okay, now listen, buddy. We'll get going. You keep your eyes on me. Yeah, Dad, I got that. I said, you keep focused on me. I cannot lose you right now. And we got to get going. Come on, let's go. Let's go. We get going. I got Luke and Ben's following. We go up the escalator. We go into customer service. We get into customer service. Guys, I'm not telling you a lie. We go into customer service. Number 84, number 84. I go, Luke, look, look, 86, 86. Look at that, Luke. They're on 84. We did good. Ben, look at that. 80, Ben. Ben, Luke, where's Ben? I don't know, Daddy. Ben, number 85, number 85. <laughs> my presence or my son? I don't know. What do you do? Oh, no. Oh, man, where is Ben? <laughs> I take Luke. We got to go start looking for Ben. We're going around looking for Ben. I just, I cannot believe this. I want to tell you this. This is honest truth. I have not seen one church member all day, which is just amazing, because I couldn't go anywhere that we didn't see people. 
But I'll tell you what happened. We're out there looking for Ben. It is not two minutes. Over the intercom of the entire store. Jim, Jim Shuttler, Jim Shuttler, go to ladies' lingerie to pick up your son. No way. At that point, I see at least six church members. <laughs> Guy that was in charge of criminal justice at PCC. His name was Darrell Pope. He was a Michigan State trooper. Darrell Pope comes to, hey, pastor, your kids and ladies. I know, I know. I got it. I got it. I start seeing members there. Hey, pastor, your sons and ladies. I know where my son is. I get in the ladies' lingerie. And there is Ben standing by the counter. I said, what in the world happened? I don't know, Dad. Ben, Ben, what in the world? I lost my spot. You're in ladies' lingerie. What in the world? Dad, I don't know. I, I was watching you, and I, I, I got my eyes off you. I said, yeah. You didn't stay focused on me. You didn't stay. You didn't keep watching me. I'm going to tell you a moral of the story. You get your eyes off the Lord, you're going to end up in ladies' lingerie, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You know what? You got to stay focused, man. Now, let me tell you what focus means. Focus means center of attention most priority. I was the least important thing to Ben at that time. And so he started looking at everything. He started getting around looking at everything, and he got his eyes off of his father. Now, let me tell you. You got a number one if you got, God, this is not what I expected. God, I am disappointed. Lord, I, I don't understand. You know what you do? You get focused back on God. You start thinking about God's wisdom, his power, his sovereignty, his omniscience. He knows what he's doing. God, I don't understand what's happening right now in my life. I do not understand why you, you would have this happen. I don't understand why it would happen to my family, to my life. I don't understand why it would happen to our church. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. And you get your focus back on God. Get your eyes off of what you're looking at. Get your eyes off of the problem and get your focus back on who God is. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Isn't that great? He goes, God, I got to get focused on you. I got to start hearing good Christian music. You know what? You can't help but focus on God when this, thing, this place is singing. That is fat. You don't miss a church service. And I'm not just saying that just because you don't get a pat on the back from pastor. No. When you're in a church like this, you need this place because it gets you, you know what? I had everything in the world going on this week, but I tell you what, I got the church and it got my focus back on God. And you know what? You're in this book every day of your life, man. You get in this book every day and you're reading this book and you're studying this book and you're getting your focus back on God. If you are ever going to handle your disappointments, number one, what do you got to do? Focus on God. Everyone together, what do you got to do? Yeah, focus back on God. That's good. He's, he, he centered his thoughts on the attributes he knew was true, and that is so important. Number two, this is so good, put his faith back in God's word. Now, this is very interesting what happens in verse 7 and 8. 
And David said to Abathar, the priest, Elimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord. Okay, now, guys, they don't have the Bible like we've got it today. So he's got to hear a word from God. I got to get some direction from God. God, you got to tell me what's going on right now. So he took the priest's ephod, the outer clothing. He got alone with God. He began to pray. He says, God, give me direction. Give me a word from you. Now listen to the Bible. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you get a disappointment in your life, you number one, put your focus back on who God is. And number two, you get your faith back in God's word. You get your, you go to the scriptures and you say, dear God, I need a promise. I need something. I need direction. Look at this. In verse seven and eight, he asked for the priest garments to get a word from God. He doesn't have the Bible in complete form like we do now. So he sought God to hear from God, to get direction from God and a promise from the Lord. And I'm telling you folks, you got to get a hold of the scriptures. You got to get a hold of the Bible. And you got to get in the word and say, God, I got to have something. You got to give me something today. And go to your Psalms, go to your Proverbs, go to wherever and say, Dear God, I'm not leaving until you give me some guidance and direction. He put his faith. I'd like to tell you some more stories, but we got to get going. Get alone with your Bible and get guidance and promises from him. Then, number three, and this is the key. Okay, you put your focus back on God. You put your faith back in God's word. And number three, you put your foot back on God's path. You get back up and you get going again. Oh, Brother Shuttler, there's a sin in my life that I have struggled with. All right, listen, listen. Proverbs 24, 16. The just man falleth one time. Right? No. The just man falleth how many times? Seven times. Number of completion. He keeps falling. You said the just man, Brother Scheller. You mean the unrighteous. No, no. The just man falleth seven times. But he riseth up again. Now hear this. This is key. When you are disappointed with yourself, you get disappointed with other people. Yeah, that's it. I never trusted another person again. No, no, no. You can't live that way. That's it, I'm done with you, God. No, you can't live that way. You know what you do? You get back up and you put your foot back on God's path and you get going again. Now, I want to tell you this. I've worked with not dozens, folks, not hundreds. I have worked with thousands of college students. Tell me about millennials, Generation Z, Generation A. I know them all, okay? Now, i got to tell you something. There's a lot more positive about the younger generation than I think some of us older folks give them. I mean that. There's a, first of all, they are extremely relational. Number two, they're all team players. They're not about individuals. They want to work together as a team, and they love pizza. So there's a lot of good things, okay? There's a lot of good things. Sushi thing, I'm not too sure about. But anyways, but I want to tell you something that is a negative with Generation Z and with millennials. You ain't got no grip. You get a little adversity, you start sucking your thumb and you give up. Now, young people, teenagers, you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, young couples, you get back up and you put your foot back on God's path and you get going again. 
And listen, there's a lot of great things. If we're going to see revival in America, I think it's going to come out of Generation Z. I really do. I preach at a lot of places. I have never seen young people respond better than they're responding right now to God's word. But put a little adversity in the name. Oh, forget it. I won't keep my commitment. No. You get your foot back on God. Well, it didn't work out the way I thought. Yeah, it's called a disappointment. So you put your focus back on God, you put your faith back in God's word, and you put everyone together, you put your foot back on God's path. And you get up and you get going again. And folks, I gotta tell you something. Pastor, I don't know. You haven't felt nothing. It's been, this has been a honeymoon, man. This has been a honeymoon. You got some things coming up. And I'm gonna tell you, you put your focus on God, you put your faith back in God's word and you put your foot back on God's path and you get up and you keep going. And folks, I'm going to tell you, we're going to all be disappointed in this room. We're all going to have unfulfilled expectations about our ministries, our lives, our children. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what area, our health. Boy, this isn't what I was expecting. I didn't know I'd ever go through this. I never thought financially this would happen. I never thought this was going to. We're going to have disappointment after disappointment. You put your focus on God. You put your faith back in God's word. And you put your foot back on God's path. Don't quit. Get up. Start over. And have faith in God. Disappointed with something God allowed? Okay. Disappointed with something someone did or not do? Disappointed with yourself over your failure? Proverbs 24, 16. The just man falleth seven times, but riseth up again. You cannot live on planet earth and not be disappointed. You cannot live and not have unfulfilled expectations. Let me tell you, it is not sin to be, to be disappointed. It is sin if you begin to doubt God you begin to get discouraged, you get depressed, and you're in despair. That's sin. That's not right. That's not how you handle it. You put your focus on God, you put your faith in his word, and you put your foot back on his path, and you get up, folks, and you get going again. Now, you say, Brother Shadow, that was very good. I don't struggle with this a lot. I've been disappointed, but I don't struggle. Yeah, but you know somebody that you got to sit down with and you got to pray and say, God, help me. Now, let me tell you, I am not against medication. I am not. But I'm going to tell you, medication is not the answer to over 90% of what we're calling depression. The answer is what I just gave. And I have seen young person and old person Deal with what I just said, and if there hasn't been anything that's happened to their mind, okay, we're not talking about dementia here. If they've got that, we're dealing with a different situation here. But we're dealing with people that have been disappointed over and over again, and they have not handled it right, and now they're living in depression. It is time for you to get your eyes back on God, you get your faith back in God's word, and you get your foot back on God's path. Okay, I know it's late. But this thing is so worth it. Take your Bibles really quickly and turn to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, and I want to show you something. I know it's late. 
And the rest of the night, I don't think Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night will be this long, but I, I want to give you one thing before we leave. Psalm 42, this has helped me so much. Have you ever heard that verse, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver? You know, we always think about that in relating to other people. But I'll tell you this, a word fitly spoken to yourself is huge. Now, this is a prayer revival, so we know that prayer, talking to God is really important. Can I tell you what is as equally as important as talking to God? Nothing is as equal as talking to God. Yeah, I think there is. There is one conversation that you got to have throughout your day several times that I believe is as important as talking to God. You know what conversation that is? Between your spirit and your soul. Look at Psalm 42, and I got a question. Psalm 42, verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Who said that? Oh, oh that, that would be David, brother. No, 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 don't give me that. What part of David? What were you talking about, Brother Scheller? What part of David? He is talking to his soul. O soul, why art thou cast down? Who's talking? Well, well, David's talking to him. What part of David? Because this is huge. I believe this is his spirit speaking to his soul. Now look at this. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Come on, come on. Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help, for the help of his countenance. Now let me tell you something. Jim Shetler has this conversation every day of his life, guys. Oh, man. This is going to be a longer journey than I thought. Oh, man, I'm going to be late now. Look at the weather. The weather's terrible. Oh, this isn't what I expected. This is not going to be good. I'm going to be so wiped out. This, that's my soul. Now, let me tell you something about your emotions. Your emotions are important. Every one of us need emotion, passion. This is what I've learned. 65 years of age, here's what I've learned. Emotions make great engines, but terrible pilots. Don't ever let emotion get behind the steering wheel of your life. Because I'm telling you, you're going to get all messed up. Now, they make great. You can't get anything done without emotion. But don't let emotion be the driving the steering wheel. Get behind the steering wheel. So here, oh man, this is just terrible. I can't believe what happened. Our family's falling apart. My marriage, my finances, I'm sick. That's your soul speaking. Your spirit says, hey, you can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth you. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Casting all your care upon him because he careth for you. Hey, hey, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Oh, be quiet. It's not going to happen that way. Don't quote me all these things. Hey, and we know that all things work together for good to them to love God, to them that are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Come on, he's just making you like Jesus. And you know what? Every day of your life, you got a decision to make. Are you going to stink and listen to your soul? Or are you going to listen to your spirit?
and your spirit's going to guide you. And some of you, all you do is you get online and you get on the internet and you get in this and it's all feeding your soul and you need to listen to your spirit. Listen to that verse. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Who's talking? That is the spirit of David talking. And it says, come on, David. Why art thou cast down in your soul? Art, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, David. Come on, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. God will be with you. God will help you. Come on, Jim. Come on, church member. Stop listening to your emotions and your soul and listen to the spirit of God that dwells in you. And I want to tell you, folks, I got to have conversations like this every day of my life. My soul, oh man, this is going to be terrible. This is not going to be good. No. God called faithful is he who calleth you who also will do it. One thing about the, the one thing about the spirit, he needs the word of God to help you, okay? So you get in the word and the spirit will speak. Okay, I wanted to share that with you cuz I think that is when you get down, you got to make who you listening to. If you're listening to your soul and where your soul is going, you're going to struggle. You got to listen to the spirit of God that dwells in you and you walk in the spirit. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to live in the spirit as well. Father, a lot of material tonight. I don't know. There's no way that they could get everything, but I pray, Lord, they would have got something tonight. Lord, I pray that there would be a truth that they would hold on to and it would change the way that they think. And Lord, if nothing else, Lord, if we didn't understand anything, may we get up and get going again and trust you, get our focus on you, get our mind back in your word and put our foot back on your path and get up and get going. Father, help us. We're going to be disappointed. all This week, we're going to have unfulfilled expectations. We're going to be disappointed this week. And I don't think we can get around that. But, Father, we can learn how to handle it. And, Lord, if we know somebody that's really hurting, that can't move on, Lord, give us a way to show love. Give us a way to get into their life and help them with truth. May we be able to speak the truth in love. Lies are not love, Father. They don't just need us to pat their hand. They need truth in love. And God, help us with our neighbors, our friends, our relatives, our family members who are really down. And help, Lord, may we be able to get them heading in the right way. Lord, I pray that you'll help us tonight now. Some of us need to respond to what we've heard. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. There's a lot of us tonight. And I'll tell you what, I, and I don't know, Pastor obviously could do whatever.